come into this time of transition, this space of threshold, this place in between, come into the no longer, into the not yet, into the I don't know, come into the messy, the confusion, into the can we please go back, come into the magic, the mystery, the what might be, come, come, a liminal space, come into a place of waiting together. Welcome, good morning. I'm Kristen Famula, your intern minister. I'm here with the Reverend Bob Lavalley, worship leader, Judy Goring, special music from our director of music, Susan Peck, and our guest musicians, Lowell Burton and Tanya Hopkins. Our time for all ages is with Mia Norin, our director of religious education. I'm here with DJs, Chris Paul and William Baker and our wonderful usher team, Alex Johnson Jimenez and Erica Johnson Jimenez. We are so happy to be sharing this time with you here this morning. And we're very glad to see all of the newcomers here today. If you are visiting and you feel comfortable, we invite you to put your name, your pronouns, and your location in the chat so that we can greet you personally. And Judy has a few announcements. Good morning. This Saturday, October 8th, from one to four in the social hall, the Healthy Community Committee is sponsoring a workshop called The Art of Peaceful Dialogue. During this highly interactive three-hour session, participants will learn and practice using communication skills that are very effective when in emotionally charged interactions. Check the messenger and broadsheet for information about how to register. Boo! Planning is underway for the return of the all-church Halloween party on Saturday, October 29th at 6 p.m. in the social hall. We hope to have food, dancing, karaoke, a family-friendly costume contest, games for all ages, and a haunted forest walk in our wildlife habitat. We are looking for a group of creative and organized folks to help us with the planning and execution of this multi-generational event. Are you a DJ, a cook, a set decorator, or artist? Maybe you just love Halloween and want to help us bring the spirit of the season to the church. Come to a planning meeting Sunday, October 9th at 12.30 p.m. in the social hall. Channel 4 honored Carol Oslong for our after-school tutoring program. off at church to go on a youth overnight trip to Las Cruces to attend a pride parade with another UU church. This may not know about herself and the world is upside down and inside out. She's turned to kids here at church who bonded over OWL last spring. OWL stands for 
again at seventh and eighth grade. Since their seventh and eighth grade class, Emea has been excited for church events to spend time with kids. but they're strong enough and supported enough to discover their own identities, their own fabulous selves, which is great. Hey, Michaela, this is Bob. Uh, we're having trouble um, hearing you. You're breaking okay. up. Okay. So maybe we'll just, uh, we'll move into the, uh, the next part. I'm so sorry. So Judy, can you read the, the, do the chalice lighting, please? Yes. A chalice lighting words today by Amy Carol Webb. We light this flame for the art of sacred unknowing, humbled by all that we cannot fathom in this time. We come into the presence of what we know, perhaps the only thing we can ever know, that love, is now and forever, the only answer to everything and everyone in every moment. Good morning from the sanctuary. This is the storm is passing over. This is old school gospel and I'm so happy to have Lowell Burton and Tanya Hopkins here to sing it.
Do we have a recording of the children's affirmation? No, Mia, you'll have to just lead us in the affirmation. Okay, great. I will now lead the children's affirmation. We are Unitarian Universalists. We are people of faith with open minds, loving hearts, and helping hands. Stories of making something from nothing come from traditions all over the world, often involving making soup from a stone. You know these stories. This version from Trinidad has a great twist, always relevant. Kalula is a thick green soup. It's eaten in places like Jamaica and Trinidad where people say that learning to make Kalula soup is a little like learning how to live. This soup goes back way, way back in time to the days when the ports of Trinidad were full of tall sailing ships. The local Carib and Arawak people weren't sure what to make of them. Some had sailed from Britain, others were from France or Spain. The newest arrivals included people from China and India, Ghana and Mali. They came from Syria, Portugal, and Venezuela too, everywhere. Each group arrived on the shores of Trinidad with their own language and songs, their own clothing and food, different from each other and from the people who'd lived on the island forever. People are people. We're most comfortable with what we know. So even though Trinidad is not a very big place, people stuck closest to their own kind. The Arawak and Carib people retreated to the forests. The Chinese avoided the French, who avoided the Indians, who avoided the Venezuelans, and so on down the line. Trinidad was a divided nation. Things might have stayed that way, but one rainy season, a strong hurricane took a turn toward Trinidad. The storm raged like a beast traveling over the island, tossing and turning everything up, down, and sideways. When the beast finally moved on, all of Trinidad was a terrible mess. Crops were drowned, houses flattened, trees uprooted, and boats smashed to smithereens. The people who survived were scared and hungry. You know how it can be when there are shortages. The ugly in us can come out. Sure enough, people grew greedy. It was hard for them to find food. And when they did, they hoarded it for themselves and their own kind. Worry, anger, and jealousy hung over the island like a great black cloud. And the island was more divided than ever. It might well have stayed that way, but an old woman happened to notice something glinting beneath the ruins of a house on the town square. What was it? She was curious. So she began to pull away the boards and the rubble. They were heavy and she had to work hard. But finally, there it was, a great huge cooking pot. The woman looked at it. Hmm, she thought. As she began to hatch a plan, a big smile came over her face. 
She lit a fire with some of the boards. She filled the pot with water, added some salt, and began to stir and chant. It may be a little bland, but the soup I'm cooking is for every child, woman, and man. Her chanting was heard all around the square and then some. People grew curious. It may be a little bland, but the soup I'm cooking is for every child, woman, and man. No one wanted soup that was bland. Those who heard hurried home to search through their store of goods. A Carib family arrived in the square with sweet cocoa plums and starchy cocoa yams. The woman smiled as they peeled and then plunked them into the pot. An Arawak family followed suit with fine bud peppers and slices of sweet, sweet squash. A family from Mali brought bunches of green ochre pods that had survived the storm. A British family brought salt pork. An Indian family found coconuts knocked to the ground. They cracked them open and poured the sweet milk and shavings into the soup. Syrians added cumin, while Spaniards and French came with onions, garlic, and thyme. A Chinese family contributed big green leaves of dasheen. They tore the leaves into strips, and that was what gave the soup its beautiful deep green color. Soon, the aroma coming from the pot caused people to hum and smile. The smart woman stirred. Her soup was almost finished. She paused for a few moments, curious about the clamor of children she could hear down at the beach. Shortly, a big group of giggling children arrived. They were all colors, shapes, and sizes. They'd been too busy helping one another catch crabs on the beach to pay attention to cultural differences. They had buckets of rich tasting crabs to add to the soup. The smart woman stirred. At last, she announced the first ever Kalaloo. The woman ladled out scoop after scoop of the mixed flavors soup into people's bowls and calabashes and cups. It was delicious and hearty. Once their bellies were full, the people began to talk and tell stories. They began to sing. After a while, some of them looked up. They saw that the big black cloud that had been hanging over Trinidad had parted and the sun was shining again. Was it because the cultural divisions of Trinidad were breaking down? It is said that the children who made the first ever Kalaloo soup continued to be friends and went through life together. It is said that their children were the Kalaloo children, children who knew how to get along with people of all cultures, colors, shapes, and sizes. Hey, everybody. Love that story. Uh, we're having our normal tech problems today. And I just want to repeat uh, an announcement that got cut off that we really want to share. And we're really delighted to share that the longtime after school tutoring program organizer, Carol Osland, was honored this week by KOB Channel 4. Carol was the recipient of the Pay It Forward Award, which is given to people who make New Mexico a better place. 
Carol also received $400, which she'll donate to the First Unitarian Tutoring Program very generously. So if you see Carol, congratulate her on her years of dedicated service to our community. So grateful for all that she does and all that the team does there, all the tutors. So let's pause the chat for a few moments while we move into a meditative space. I just want to talk about meditation for a moment. Focus and meditation are not the same thing. Meditation may require some gentle focus and even helps cultivate it, but meditation also requires a sense of ease, of inquiry and kindness. So because focus and meditation get confused, when we sit down to meditate, we might just try and concentrate. That might be our sole objective. So like, okay, I really need to concentrate on the breath. But in doing that, we're just practicing one element of meditation. And we're making life quite difficult for ourselves because we're trying to concentrate intensely while we're being barraged with thoughts and emotions. And that's probably gonna feel bad. Maybe we're not gonna like the experience of meditation. So it's really important that when we begin to meditate, that we recognize that it's much bigger than simply concentrating or focusing. Meditation is about understanding our minds. And we do that by beginning with an open mind, a mind that's relaxed and at ease. And we slowly introduce that sense of focus. And we do it in a very gentle and kind way. We're not hard on ourselves when we realize that the mind's been distracted. Instead, we recognize that, well, that's just the nature of the mind. So we acknowledge it gently, kindly, we let the thoughts go, and we come back to the breath again. So it's about this balance of ease and relaxation on one hand, and slowly introducing focus on the other hand. Focus isn't the whole intention. It's just one aspect of the entire practice. So let's prepare to meditate a little. Find a comfortable seat. Take a big, deep breath. <sighs> Feel where your feet are supported, your hips are supported, your hands are resting. And we'll sit together in silence.
Our church is a welcoming community where we find connection, a spiritual community where we find meaning. Our church is a sharing community where our joys are amplified, a caring community where our sorrows are lessened. We take this moment to reflect on our joys and sorrows and acknowledge the mutual support of our community. Please type in the chat box, first your joys and then your sorrows. If you're unable to write in the chat box, please email the church at caring at uuabq.org.
All these we lift up to the great powers of celebration and healing and renewal known by many names. Let's join our hearts in prayer. We pray for our 12 youth from First Unitarian who are traveling back from an overnight trip to Las Cruces where they participated in the Southern New Mexico Pride Parade. May they and our youth programs coordinator, Alana Rodriguez, and our youth advisor, Benita Terrell, may they all feel the support of this congregation as they make their way home today. We lift up all those impacted by climate change in the form of Hurricane Ian. May they, spend, may they return to a sense of home quickly. We welcome the visitors to the balloon fiesta. May they be safe and have fun. And may they spend a lot of money at local businesses. We pray for all those caught up in our system of incarceration. May we as a community, as a people, move towards a justice that restores rather than punishes. And may the many root causes of crime like poverty and poor access to mental health services and recovery, may they be addressed first. We pray for the resilience of our minds, our hearts, our souls, as we are forced to be witness to so much that we know in our hearts to be wrong. May we seek the places and practices that bring us healing, that ground us, that give us strength to continue and contribute. And may we all be held in the heart of love. Peace be with you. Sarah Bareilles wrote A Safe Place to Land in 2018 in response to the immigration crisis with family separation.
That was beautiful. Our reading this morning, Try to Love the Questions Themselves by Rainer Maria Reiki. Have patience with everything unresolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves as if they were locked rooms or books written in a very foreign language. Don't search for the answers, which could not be given to you now because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps then, someday in the future, you will gradually, without even noticing it, live your way into the answer. Two months ago, my husband and I quit our jobs, uprooted our family, and moved here to Albuquerque with our two-year-old. And we set about starting new temporary lives, knowing that in less than a year, we'll be doing this all over again. I told a friend that I was gonna do my first sermon here on times of transition, liminal times. And she laughed and said, you mean like your life? But I don't think it's just me, right? It feels like we're in a collective period of uncertainty. There are signs of it all around us. The great resignation, the way folks are standing up for their rights in the workforce, the incredible pushback against the work for justice and equity, the, the hunkering down in our political partisan divisions, each are symptoms of transition. And though it can't all be blamed on the pandemic, it was certainly magnified by these years of uncertainty. And so now we find ourselves no longer in the pre-March 2020 and out of the very most critical times of the pandemic. And yet we haven't quite landed in the new yet. I've heard people describe this time period as weird and awkward. Some use less neutral terms, calling it painful and like being on quicksand. Experts who study liminality describe these as threshold moments, which can last anywhere from days to years. And while we go through these moments of change and uncertainty throughout our lives, it's less frequent that we experience a global period of liminality like this one. In the early 20th century, a Swiss physician named Paul Tournier described times like these as the middle zone. In his description, the middle zone is when a trapeze artist, picture this with me, a trapeze artist is swinging on a high bar and then courageously lets go and reaches out for the next bar. As he says, there is a breathless suspense of mid-air placelessness as the person just hangs in the air, holding on to nothing. And the crowd holds their breath, waiting with anticipation. Now, I don't personally know any trapeze artists, but my guess is that they practice a lot. 
And while they're learning, they have safety harnesses and a net to catch them if they fall. And then once they feel like they've developed the skills, they finally take that great leap from one bar to the next. If this were to accurately capture liminal space, it would be more like a dentist or some other person who has no skills in being a trapeze artist, taking a leap from one bar to the next while they're surrounded by fog so thick that you can't see whether there's actually a bar out there for you to grab. I like the image, but I don't know if the analogy of the thrill of a professional trapeze artist taking a leap quite captures liminality for me. I grew up in Oklahoma and I attended an elementary school with a large open space with lots of huge cottonwood trees. I loved to wander the playground at recess and find the big seed pods that the tree had dropped. And then I would crack open the pods to find the soft cotton inside. And so one day at recess, I was out collecting as many of those cottonwood seed pods as I could find. And when recess was over, I brought them back to the classroom with me to take home. I didn't have a great place to store them, so I just loaded up my plastic pencil box for safekeeping for the rest of the day. Well, as one does in elementary school, I forgot them there at school. And it must have been the weekend or vacation time or something, because the time we finally returned to the classroom, I had long since forgotten about the cottonwood pods. At some point after we returned, the teacher asked us to get out a pencil, and then she stepped out into the hallway to check on a student. And so we all dutifully reached into our desks and dug out our pencil boxes. And when I opened my box, I discovered to my horror that the pods had all opened up while they were sitting in the comfort and the warmth. And once released, they floated happily up and out of their containment and into the air. Have you seen cottonwood fluff before? It expands and it clings to everything. And so once these seed pods had escaped, well, there was just this layer of floating fluffy white hovering like huge clouds all around the classroom. And I just sat there stunned, wide-eyed, trying to figure out what had just happened. And the kids in the classroom started murmuring in confused excitement. And the teacher returned from the hallway. I don't know what people are saying about liminal space being a trapeze artist leaping gracefully between bars as they perform a routine that they've practiced over and over again. No, to me, liminal space is the awkward suspense of a seven-year-old sitting in a classroom full of white fluff that she has released and trying to figure out what just happened and worrying about what's coming next. Liminal space makes us squirm. It has the ability to make us shrink in our chairs and avoid eye contact with people hoping that it will be over soon because we're not quite sure how we got to this place to begin with. 
It's why we tend to try to get out of the awkwardness as quick as possible. Usually that looks like trying desperately to return to the way things were or to figure out the next thing quickly so that there's something to ground us. We're really always in liminal space as humans. I know someone in this room is learning how to deal with the pain and instability of living life after the loss of a loved one. And someone here is dealing with job insecurities and someone else is confronting the changes our bodies go through as we live life. Each of these moments puts us into a state of uncertainty. Individual liminal spaces at some level are just what life is all about. Collectively though, we don't often find ourselves in these huge uncertain times when everyone is staring out uncomfortably at the fluffy cottonwood that's been released and not knowing what to do. When we struggle in our personal in-betweenness, we can often lean on friends and family for grounding as we move through it. In contrast, in this collective liminality, it can feel hard to know who to reach out to for stability. Professionals who study liminal times have warnings for what might happen in times like these. They caution that in the disorientation and discomfort, there's a tendency to turn towards leaders who promise comfort and certainty and a return to the good old days if you'll follow them. Does that sound familiar? Many people find themselves scared of these changing times and wanting to return to something that feels normal. Perhaps that's why we're seeing things like book banning and legislation designed to remove human rights. Perhaps it's a way of responding to discomfort. Did any of you hear the recent NPR interview about asking absurd questions? They were talking to Randall Monroe, who is a scientist who has written two books that aim to give scientific answers to ridiculous hypothetical questions. An example was, what would happen if everyone on earth stood as close to each other as they could and jumped, everyone la landing on the ground at the same instant? Randall says that he likes seemingly ridiculous questions because nobody is expected to know the answer, which means it's okay for everyone to be confused. This interview resonated because it seems like all around us there are more questions than answers. And perhaps that's what liminal times are. Folks are asking questions about work life balance, and questions like those lead to things like, hmm, how do I really want to be spending my days now? And asking questions can feel disruptive to the status quo when we don't truly know the answers. I feel like Unitarian Universalists are so equipped for this. One of my favorite UU hymns has a verse that goes, and in our search for peace, maybe we'll finally see even to question truly is an answer. Maybe one approach to these collective liminal times is to lean in to the questions. 
especially those questions that might have seemed absurd to ask before March 2020, or that we just didn't have time to ask. Especially those questions that don't have a simple technical answer. Randall Monroe, who wrote the book with answers to absurd questions, says that he especially appreciates the questions from children. Because when adults ask questions, it's as if they have an ulterior motive. When you're an adult, he says, you're supposed to know how everything works. So anytime you're asking a question like this, you're potentially revealing your own ignorance. Kids, on the other hand, ask questions that are just pure, true curiosity. Luckily, none of us needs to be an expert about this particular time. We can ask all kinds of curious questions and then explore the answers together. Leaning into these questions requires some vulnerability and compassion for one another. We're so trained to judge ourselves and each other right away. So what questions that may have seemed absurd before we went through the last two years of life together might we ask right now? Or maybe they weren't actually absurd questions. Maybe it's more that we just didn't have the capacity to ask them until we were shaken out of complacency. I find myself wanting to ask questions like, what if we could completely redo our political system so that we weren't constantly bickering with one another? Or what if all the billionaires came together and made sure everyone had their basic human needs met? And in particular, as a Unitarian Universalist, I keep asking, is our old model of church, doing church working? How could we do things differently? And what will Unitarian Universalism look like in the future? Our worship staff have been asking some big questions lately too. Like, what does it mean now to be a connected community, both online and in person? And how do we welcome what feels like a new phase of church life with courage? and creativity? And can we do anything else with our worship time to make it even more meaningful and fulfilling and life-affirming? It took so much resilience and creativity to shift to online worship and programming during the critical stages of the pandemic. And now we're asking ourselves questions about what's next especially because the ways we do community have expanded. You've probably seen in Reverend Bob's newsletter in the Messenger that we have some ideas that we'll start implementing on November 6th. One big change that we will all feel is that rather than having two separate services, one online and one in person, we'll be offering both services in person and streaming one of them online. And we're letting our big questions shape our creativity in this liminal time. Like you, we don't know how it will feel. So we're letting go of the desire to have all the answers and the seeming need for perfection. And instead, leaning into these questions that are arising. Some liminal times researchers suggest being really okay with experiment experimentation during liminal times. People who engage in appreciative inquiry call this rapid prototyping. 
getting curious, trying new things, and being okay with it not working. Reflecting, getting curious again, and trying again. And doing all of that through a lens of compassion and love for one another. Often towards the end of a Sunday service, we'll offer you a question to discuss together. And today I invite you to create questions together. And I mean generative questions, big, deep questions, courageous questions about who we are as Unitarian Universalists and who we want to be together at First Unitarian. A colleague of mine used to start some of our meetings with a question, why are we here? And once we'd reflected on that question, she'd ask, why are we really here? And then we'd think about that deeper level of why we were there together. And then you can see where this is going. Why are we really, really here? And each round we would peel back the layers of priority and performative nature of our work until it was just down to the essential. And so when you ponder your questions, I invite you into that level of curiosity. I have a deep worry about the urge to go back to the way things were. Because the fact is the way things were wasn't working for everyone. And I worry that we'll move on as if the last few years of life weren't a life-changing experience. There's a freedom in staying in this moment and not knowing what's next. That uncertainty allows us to try things. And if they don't work out to say, okay, that wasn't the next thing, let's try something else. I invite us to embrace this opportunity. Global liminal space doesn't happen all that often, especially with such drastic upheaval. Let's make space for the questions and for the experimentation and practice loving each other through the discomfort. May we have the courage to be in this threshold moment. Go ahead, let the cottonwood fluff float around for a while while we turn towards one another with compassion and humility and grace. Stay in this place. There are important things to be done here. We give to remind ourselves how many gifts we have to offer. We give to remember that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. We give because we believe in music and sacred space. We give with the faith that together we have enough. So let us together make something greater from the difference. You can make an offering online by clicking on the link that we'll put in the chat box. The change for the future recipient for September, October, and November is the Arch Street program operated by Albuquerque Healthcare for the Homeless. This is a community art studio used primarily by people who are unhoused. 
Art Street also provides art therapy groups at the West Side Emergency Housing Center with a focus on trauma. If you wish to support Art Street, you can give online using the link in the chat and select Change for the Future when prompted. You can also send a donation to the church and mark the envelope or memo line Change for the Future. And if you prefer not to give online, you can simply mail a check to the church and include change for the future on the memo line. May there be an offering to sustain and grow the life and mission of this congregation. May we give in love and in hope. All right, will you join us in our opening, in our closing opening song, closing <laughs> song. This is Woyaya, and we're gonna sing through it twice. What is generously given is received with gratitude. Thank you on behalf of First Unitarian and on behalf of Art Street. So we're coming towards the end of our service and our discussion question, we're gonna turn this around and our discussion question will be, what are your questions? What are the big questions that you have in this liminal time? And we encourage you to put them in the chat or share with Kristen and her email is in the chat too. We want to keep thinking about the questions that you have as we go through the course of this month, this month of courage. Let's do our peace greeting. So I invite you to put your screen view into gallery, see each other's faces.
Place one hand on your heart, the other hand, reach out to your community. Hmm. Blessed be, Kristen's gonna share a benediction. As we extinguish our chalices, may you be held in love and grounded in courage as we move through these liminal days together. <laughs>